All right. Uh, welcome. This is uh, happy to be here with Father Science. I'm your host, Father Science. Ironically, uh, this is probably a little loud. I got a brand new mic, as you can tell. Uh, you know, I, I'm trying to take this somewhat seriously now. I, I've got a ring light, too. That's why I look so fucking good right now. Um, anyway, happy new year. Uh, 2021 is about to be the best year of everyone's life. And I'll tell you why it's because Trump's out of office for one, uh, for two, it's, it's not 2020, even though I had a great 2020, I think a lot of people have been hating on 2020 a little hard, you know, cause like people <laughs> don't like the pandemic or something, whatever, you know, uh, I had a great 2020. Um, so last last episode was my first episode of doing this pod, and it went eh, so decent. Um, I, I appreciate. I got like quite a few listeners. I appreciate everyone listening. Uh, it's important to me to to do something with my platform that's a little bit more in-depth and meaningful besides like make videos with my shirt off and, you know, talk about socialized healthcare and, on TikTok because it doesn't seem to really ingrain in people's brains uh, when, when I talk about it. But um, so I have a couple new plans uh, for the pod. I am going to be starting uh, doing from here on out a, a little, you know, like 10 minutes ish, hopefully segment of me, uh, giving you updates on my life. Cause people wanted, you know, care about that and, uh, answering questions from my live. I just went on live on Instagram and asked if people questions or asked if people wanted to ask questions on my pod so I can answer them a little bit more in depth. So, uh, today, I, I just want to first off uh, shit on my best friend, Nate, because he was supposed to come be on the pod. And um, it, Nate, he's a really good guy. He kind of reminds me of this soccer player. He plays professional soccer or did. I don't know if he still does. It's been a while since I paid attention to it. Out in Europe, uh, his name's Gareth. And Gareth, he, he really good player, superstar soccer player. Played with Cristiano Ronaldo for a bit, I believe, and um, on Real Madrid back when Ronaldo was on Madrid. And uh, his last name is Bale. And uh, the reason Nate reminds me of uh, this soccer player is because Nate bails on a lot of things. And so um, Nate bails more than Gareth is what I'm trying to say. And Gareth's last name is Bale, so... That's quite a lot. Uh, so thanks for doing that, Nate. Uh, hopefully, we'll get him on the pod soon. He's he's now an enemy of the pod. I used to call him a friend of the pod, eh, but he is now an enemy of the pod. Um, so Nate Hicker said, enemy of the pod. If we uh, ever see him on the street, we... Uh, I don't know. What what does Nate hate? Call say that he uh, pollutes the environment or something. He loves riding bikes. Probably what he's doing right now, honestly. So if Nate is on the street, you see him riding his bike, be like, "Hey, 
you don't care about earth and oh and tell him that his he should just go pickle something because he pickles a lot of things um instead of polluting earth so and yeah so uh hashtag nate bails more than gareth uh so next update i, I got my hair permed pretty fucking sick if you ask me i haven't really figured out how to style it yet it, it's uh a little complicated when bought all these products you know i've never really had curly hair so we're gonna see how this turns out um in the near future i've been styling it someone said i looked like justin timberlake and i wanted to punch their throat but that's their you know that's fine justin timberlake with the perm and i'm like damn i i uh I don't like that. I don't want to look like Justin Timberlake with a perm. Because, like, he made some hits back in the early 2000s. But uh, you can't really... I can't really expect him after NSYNC uh, broke up. You know? I... It's, it was like, if for all the people that are, you know, Gen Z, uh, NSYNC's like One Direction. One Direction breaking up back in the day and i you know justin timberlake just had the bigger career he's like the harry styles of nsync and so i just can't really respect him hence why i don't want to look like him so um any tips on how to look less like early 2000s justin timberlake i would appreciate okay this isn't going uh super, it's not super funny yet i'm like sitting, I, I feel like these jokes are just bombing already uh, but it's okay. Cause I'm improvident, baby. I don't, I don't write this shit down. I write little notes. It's what my note says. Talk about Nate bailing. That was all my note. And then it says, talk about perm. That was my, that was my perm bit. And then now onto the more serious things. Uh, I watched the movie soul, uh, with this, this girl that I'm talking to slash dating. Uh, and it basically put us into an existential crisis. Really good movie. Uh, terrible for your mental health if you <laughs> if you have anxiety issues because it's basically about this dude who dies and then it like talks about like the importance of life and all this shit and um, it just makes you want to die. And well, not really because then you have to go to this weird heaven where there's this Australian like little God thing named Terry that's trying to just uh, make you go to heaven or something like that. Some like weird limbo. Well, basically uh, this guy like is a jazz guy and he wants to, he wants to play jazz with this famous lady that I've never heard of. And I don't even know if she's real or not, or if that was just a character in the movie. Uh, but so he, yeah, they go and he like falls down a fucking um, sewer hole. Really unfortunate way to die, honestly. Like, who the fuck falls down a sewer hole while walking? Uh, it's that I was kind of pissed about that. I'm like, at least like you know, I don't know, like have a have a heart attack or something. But he just like okay, and he tries to get back into his body. He keeps trying to get back in the body, and then he just keeps dying. It's like shit. How unlucky can you be to have like fall down a sewer hole, have a myocardial infarction, and then uh, I don't know like have a seizure and and fall over and break your neck. I don't I don't know all the ways he died, but 
so he helps out this other soul that's like before life like find her purpose i guess and he thought his purpose was jazz but it's really like living in the moment a uh, spoiler alert uh but i really liked it it was a decent movie besides the fact that i was like damn i'm not living in the moment enough i care too much about like my tiktok likes and my instagram likes and getting into medical school um and all that sort of shit and so made me think to try and live in the moment and then of course i didn't of course i didn't i went to bed uh at four in the morning and woke up super anxious and felt like i had to be productive and, and distract myself from my own thoughts so uh didn't hit home too hard for me but it made me think a little bit at least and then oh and then we watched onward after that which just makes me ball every time so i just cried I don't know why I was emotionally torturing myself. It's probably because I had decent holidays and I'm like, oh, I don't deserve this. Whatever. Mental health is important, people. Um, so, yeah, I watched that. You should all watch it. Uh, what else happened? Oh, I uh, got denied from another medical school yesterday. So that's cool. I have seven left. Not really expecting to get in at this point uh, because I applied so late, but well, you know, whatever. If not, I'll just apply again. I got a new job, whatever. I'm all corpo as shit now. I work for fucking some giant corporate company that's like cool and gives me good benefits and all that dumb shit. Um, down with the patriarchy, baby. Down with uh, capitalism is is my is my idea on working for a giant corpo corporation, corpo head ass corporation. Um, and then I get off probation in like two weeks and I painted my fucking nails. Look at that. I'm so e-boy now. Uh, it's e-boy now. <sighs> okay. I'm already tired. Um, oh yeah, I get off probation in, in two weeks. I finished my art project. So, uh, that's, that's a big deal, I guess. I'll be somewhat off paper, which hopefully a lot of you don't understand what it's like to be on paper. All right, so that's my update section. I, I'm going to take a small break and then get into the questions that people asked. So thank you. All right, so I'm back. Um, I'm trying to be professional about this, but I got hungry, so I'm going to be eating pasta for this next segment that was made like three days ago or something. I just ate it up in the microwave. Um, I live a semi-sad life, but I won't be, baby. I'm going to start making some racks. So, all right, question segment. Um, These questions people were asking can be whatever you want. I just typically get a lot of questions when I'm on live that I would like to elaborate on a bit more, but I can't because I keep the people entertained. Um, so yeah, I'm going to just give a little bit of short answers. Hopefully I don't want this pod to run over 30 minutes again, but we'll see. Okay. Um, First question, I think it's the first, no, that's like the 17th question. Okay, oops, 
All right, first question. Okay. What are your thoughts on the decriminalization? So at Lex underscore ums asked, what are your thoughts on the decriminalization of drug use in Oregon as a starting point to steer addicts to mental health care instead of prison system? I really like it. I've been a huge advocate for that for a while now. I know like Portugal's done it and it's really helped. Um, I hope that other states follow suit because if this were the case in the state I lived in, I wouldn't even have drug charges. Um, I wouldn't even have any criminal charges. All my charges have just been possession. And so, and I probably would have gotten help sooner. I don't think a lot of people realize the importance of doing that. It's kind of seems counterintuitive, but uh, reallocating, if that's the right word, the funds toward uh, funding public rehabs and, and counselors and stuff like that makes a lot more sense than keeping people in prison. Um, but our, our capitalism doesn't really make sense, baby. It's about making profits. So I don't know how good it is for that. And so I don't know how fast the country will follow suit, but I hope follow suit, but I hope it'll be soon. I, I really think that was a great thing, a great step in the right direction and a great step into what I'm going to be talking about in this podcast, which is kind of, uh, empathy toward criminals and uh, discrimination toward recovering addicts. Um, step in the right direction. I think it's finally getting some light. So anyway, next question out at Ellie Mary underscore asks, why do you think it's important to help erase the stigma surrounding addiction? Um, this is probably something I'll talk about too in a minute, but I think it's important to erase the stigma because it fucking sucks. Like just to keep it frank, it sucks to have stigma around anything like race, uh, you know, fucking sexuality, um, gender identity. It's all just very terrible for society and I think the stigma around addiction is not super far along yet and it sucks it has dire consequences that lead to discrimination uh, of people that are in recovery and so I think it's a very important issue I don't know if we're there yet in terms of focusing on it because we really have to hyper focus on something in this country to get shit done uh, so it's it's moving very slowly uh, but that's that's kind of why I, I'm here. I'm trying to definitely push that narrative, as I say on every fucking podcast or interview or something. I'm trying to push the fucking narrative that addicts aren't terrible people, which I feel like should be uh, pretty self-explanatory or pretty intuitive, I guess. But it's not. Um. This should, okay, at Caitlin underscore Dawn asks, this should be the first question you answer. Why the pod? Question mark. Why the pod? Because I love podcasting. I kind of explained that in the first pod. If you would have listened, Caitlin, I lo- I, I'm trying to do something with my life, with my social media now. I'm not studying for the MCAT. I'm not doing anything uh, productive in that sense besides working for the fucking capitalist machine i'm I'm staring 
this I got this from Rick and Morty. I'm staring in the jaws, the bloody jaws of capitalism, and I'm saying, "Yes, Daddy, please." That's what I'm doing right now. So I'm trying, <laughs> trying to have an outlet um, besides TikTok because I I don't know how how well I'm doing on TikTok. So, um, hey, what made you decide to get into the medical field? Did it have anything to do with your substance abuse? No, had nothing to do with my substance abuse. I wanted to, the first time I thought about it, I was a film major for my first two years of college. First time I thought about it was uh, when my grandpa got diagnosed with stage four cancer. This is my personal, I'm basically telling you guys my personal statement for medical school. Yeah, a personal statement for medical school. I fucking fling some giant spice at the camera. Um, so what made me want to is my grandpa got diagnosed with stage four cancer. I went to, with him to uh, all his appointments, basically when I could, when I wasn't half dead in a ditch off of opiates. Uh, but the first appointment I went to, and my family was kind of freaking out. Um, and I tried to like listen intent, like very actively listen to the doctor so I could explain to my family later. And he's like, Hey, are you studying medicine? And I was like, fuck no, <laughs> I'm, I'm artsy, bro. I'm artsy as shit. You think I, do I look like a doctor? Do I look like I like science? I'm artsy as shit. And he was like, this is exactly how I wrote it on my personal statement, by the way. And he's like, Oh, you should think about it. So I thought about it. And then my friend Jake wanted to be a doctor and we talked about it one time. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to try it. And then I took a bunch of classes and I really fucking loved it. And then I worked in healthcare and I really loved it. And basically everything I've done from the, that point, um, has just solidified that I've wanted to work in healthcare and, and be a physician. Cause I, I really just can't see my life going any other way. Even social media fame hasn't really deterred me from my passion of, of future physicianry, as we call it, or practicing medicine. So, um, damn, I answered some different questions. What has been the most rewarding part of recovery? This is all Caitlin underscore Don. Uh, what has been the most important, most rewarding part of recovery other than being sober? I think regaining good relationships and, and learning how to set relationships and really self-analyze my thoughts and uh, be good at, at empathizing. I think that's like my biggest strength now is that I'm, I'm fucking excellent to be humble. I'm fucking excellent at putting myself in other people's shoes. Um, and so, yeah, good question. Yes, I'm on the second screenshot now, baby. Oh, there's three screenshots, baby. Okay, at Skyla Wyla. Skyla underscore Wyla nine asked, what are your, what are some of your Favorite study habits slash tricks, or are you just smart as fuck? I'm smart as fuck. Um, no, I, I really like, I think my best study habit is to study a week before the exam and study like at least four hours a day. Um, I don't really go to class nor, nor do anything, you know, dumb like that. But 
I I do think like doing that and and really learn understanding stuff conceptually, like trying to explain it to another person really helps me. Jeez, these are good. I'm I'm already almost at ten minutes, so I might I have to save some of these for the next pod. Oh, this is a good question. That's productive. Skyla underscore Wyla nine asked again, what are some things that people say that they think are helpful slash supportive that don't come off as helpful slash supportive? Uh, a lot of them are like, for me at least, um, when people like insinuate that like they're super proud of me just for not doing drugs and not like the stuff I'm doing, uh, to be productive, or like pushing change toward the idea around drugs or like that I'm applying to medical school. They're like, wow, we're so fucking proud of you for just like not smoking crack for a day. Go you, dude. Good job. And I'm like, okay, I have a college degree and you don't, you know, like don't be, pr- be proud of me for my college degree. Be proud of me getting clean and then getting my college degree like a month later. You know, that's not, I don't know. It's just, it seems like so condescending to me when people are like, oh, we're so proud of you just for being clean. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a lot more than, than just a body that doesn't have drugs in it. So that's a good question. Okay, I'm going to answer probably two more fucking shit. Okay. Your underscore mother underscore man asked, other than relapse, what's been your biggest struggle with getting clean? Um, I think codependency. I have a really big codependency problem I've been trying to deal with with my relationships, uh, hence why I have to stay single because um, I don't know how to not be codependent yet. And so I'm, that's probably been my biggest struggle. It's, it's, it's a daily battle. It's like a drug itself, so. What the fuck? I'm just joking. Oh, interesting text. Okay. What benefits have uh, same at as what benefits have you found are being what what benefits have you found are there to being upfront about your past with drug use? I think that. A lot of people don't look at me and think I've abused drugs. So that definitely, um, when I say that, I think it helps break the stigma. I think uh, I don't really have anything to hide. Like that's what's kind of nice is I, I don't, I'm like the honest, most honest I've ever been in my life. Everyone knows everything about me. I'm not really ashamed of it. Um, and so I think like, and and it tends to in most scenarios make people respect you a bit more. I think honesty just makes people respect you in general. So I think that the biggest benefit is just being able to start off the a, a relationship or regardless of what it is, like a, a worker relationship, worker fucking machine and cog relationship, I guess, like with my boss and me, the cog of the capitalist machine um it's nice because it builds trust i i guess and uh trust is always important in a relationship 
So, sorry I couldn't get to all the questions. If you have any more questions, uh, you can. I'll, I'll do live before every time before I record. You can put them in, and uh, hopefully I answer them. But these are good ones. I appreciate it. Um, you know, they they can be. They don't have to be such serious questions. It's fine. You know, I know someone's gonna be like, "How how big's your shoe size?" If you know what I'm saying, I'm gonna be like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> funny um i don't know or like who's your girlfriend who's the girl you're dating who's your who's your who's your side chick i don't know i know i'm gonna get those and it's fine i'll answer them that's the point of this segment um so y'all moving forward what i'm gonna be talking about today uh, for my last section of the pod is um, basically empathy towards criminals and uh, acknowledging their mental health issues and how is there discrimination against recovering drug addicts systemically? And if so, how do we contribute to it? So stay tuned. I don't, I don't ever know what to do on these, uh, transitions all right last segment of the pod let's get to it so i first want to want to pose the question uh should we have empathy toward criminals or people with criminal charges and uh, i think there's a short answer and it's yes and not and it's almost regardless of anything i i'm just and this is my point being i don't really want to dive into this it's more about uh people with criminal charges that are drug addicts but everyone has their own upbringing and and it kind of forms you know your brain in a certain way and you learn behaviors from your childhood and i think it's just a sad fact of reality that most people uh like that you know are are abusive or are you know murderers or some shit uh it's because their brain was formed that way and is that their fault that their brain was formed that way did they make the conscious choice to to have these desires and behaviors and i don't think so i i don't think they're really is any sort of choice in how you want to behave uh, when it goes down to the philosophical level. Um, Sam Harris talks a lot about the illusion of self-will, uh, basically. And that he, he's saying that basically you can't choose what you think or do. It's basically when your brain's wired a certain way, you're going to act out a certain pattern and your brain gets wired from the circumstances that happened before. So when you're faced with a decision, the only decision that your brain is capable of making is the one that you already made, which sounds deep as shit, but it's true, I think. So having empathy toward anything, I think it's possible. And I think when you exercise that ability, um, no, there, there is no such thing as good and evil in the world uh, when it comes to a person. I think that 
it's more of a spectrum and uh, you can have empathy for um, evil people in my mind that it is sad that they got wired that way, whether it be from their biology or from their um, upbringing or something like that. Um, I, I'm not saying that we should forgive them and think that they're not shitty people. Like they are shitty people and they're, they got what they deserved, whatever it was. Uh, if they're in the system or if they, you know, are in prison for life or something like that, because there's victims. I, j I just wanted to probe the start of this conversation with myself uh, with this question, because it, it kind of goes on that we, if we can have empathy for people that do crimes against other people, we can for sure have empathy for people that have criminal charges whose crimes had nothing to do with other people. Um, and I think that's an important thing to realize is that there, there really is no self-will and uh, it's an illusion. And it's sad, you know, people just get the luck of the draw. I'm happy I'm not a serial killer, you know? I'm happy uh, that my brain didn't get wired into serial killing. So I, I can be grateful for that. Um, I think that this notion that there's such like a black and white, good and evil, and, you know, there's good people and there's bad people, and you have to make the fucking choice. And you have to choose God, man. Choose God. God loves rock and roll. Um, <laughs> that's my Christian youth group uh, pastor guy. Hey, kids. Choose God. God loves rock and roll and skateboarding or something. Um, it, it basically, I'm saying it comes from religion. Uh, I think that that we are groomed throughout religions to believe that there is a choice and, and that choice is to um, choose God or choose Satan. And every action you make leads you toward one or the other, um, which I just don't think is accurate. So moving on. Uh, I want to start out by talking about what is the, what's the reason that we think of addicts the way they do it. And there's this article that Harvard published um, called Does Addiction Last a Lifetime uh, by Dr. Grinspoon. Uh, Peter Grinspoon, and this guy is a recovering opiate addict and is a physician at fucking Harvard, I think. Uh, but it's a really cool article, and it, it has a couple topics about um, is there – does addiction mean – if you're addicted to opiates, does that mean that you can't drink alcohol ever again? And I have my own opinions on that, and I don't think a lot of my followers would agree on my opinions. Uh, I just don't think and, and there's scientific evidence that this guy talks about that those things aren't true. But I think that concept that once an addict, always an addict is, is detrimental uh, to addicts. And the reason being is because we, we always think of addicts as risk factors. Like we're just one, one inconvenience away 
from relapsing regardless of the amount of recovery we have. And, uh, or if we relapse, we're going to fucking tear the world down and murder Jesus. And, um, I just don't think that's true. And this guy hypothesizes that it's not true. And he has some really good evidence. Um, for instance, and this is something I'm trying to, to really exemplify because I, I don't want to lose opportunity because of my addiction, uh, I don't think, I, I feel like I'm so stable now more stable than the average person mentally that uh having others lives in my hands is actually a benefit for that person because i'm not going to fuck up you know i'm not going to fuck up from some mental thing and that's what this guy argues is that basically addicts have their shit under control enough that they are going to uh be less likely of like going off the rails than or people in recovery people that are in recovery from addiction um, are less likely to go off the rails than the average person. And he cites a couple of studies here, and he says, uh, it says, as compared to those who do not recover from an SUD, SUD is substance use disorder, uh, people who recover have less than half the risk of developing a new SUD. Contrary, contrary to clinical lore, achieving remission does not typically lead to substitution but rather is associated with lower risk of new SUD onset. And so basically what that's saying is we don't substitute our addictions. You don't really go from one drug to another drug is what they found. Um, and I, I, I always thought it cause I, I used cocaine and I used opiates and I thought they were so opposite that that means like I can get addicted to like meth or something, but I never liked Adderall. I've never liked alcohol that much. And um, so I've like kind of experienced that. And it, it is very validating to hear that like, I, I don't have to like, you know, I, I am a better, I have a better chance of not developing another substance use disorder as a average person that hasn't had one. And he says that the authors suggest that coping strategies skills and motivation of individuals who recover from SU an SUD may protect them from onset of a new SUD. So the skills that you learn in recovery and going and doing all this stuff um, really contributes to the success going down the road. Um, and this is a narrative that I want to push. I want to push narrative. There's like the sixth time of me saying it. God, I need to fucking think before I talk. But what I'm saying is this is a better narrative to push than, you know, once an addict, always an addict, I think, because it, it takes away the risk um, from addicts and it takes, it makes it so there isn't opportunity taken away from them. Um, and I, I really respect Alcoholics Anonymous and all those things. It's just, we have a better understanding now of how the brain works than when it was founded. It was founded back in 1935. Um, and I think that we can maybe progress forward in, in a more, in a better way to allow true healing and opportunity for recovering addicts. And so the reason I bring this up is, uh, this sort of idea that addicts, in my opinion, this sort of idea that addicts are 
always a risk factor. Addicts are always a risk factor for relapse. Re- recovering addicts, if they if they smell alcohol, they'll fucking ravage the village and and kill, you know, 87 children while doing so. And that's just not true. Uh, and it, it pushes the narrative that we have to take, we have to control these people. We have to make sure that they're under our control. They're in the system. They're always being watched and that they can't go out and live their lives. They, they can't be uh, in positions with power or responsibility or anything that puts others at risk. And I, th- that's fucking bullshit. Okay. Um, some examples, I, this, this apartment that I'm in right now, uh, I had to get a letter from my probation saying that, oh, he's done well on probation. I, I got denied. There's like a law in Salt Lake or, or some sort of, you know, deal with homeowner association or, or landlord association that Gary Herbert, man, I'm going to refer Gary fucking Herberts. We hate him. Um, I hate Gary Herbert, and that he made with the like homeowners or landlords that if you don't rent to people with drug charges, then you get like a tax break. So I got denied for seven apartments, spent hundreds of dollars before I found that out, and so I had to find a apartment that didn't do background checks. Um, and they didn't, and I was up front and said I had a background, and so it kind of fucked everything up. But I got in, and then I lost my license. I, I, my uh, charges had nothing to do with a car. I finished treatment. I did all these things. I lost my CNA license for a couple facilities I can't practice at, even though I finished treatment a year ago. Um, it's just, it's a lot of bullshit, and it's not really fair. Um, and it just, it keeps people sick. And so it keeps just perpetuating the problem. And we're wondering why we're in like a huge epidemic, especially in U- Utah, uh, opiate epidemic and epidemic or some bullshit name they call it. And it's like, we're doing the same thing. We're doing the same thing that has kept people sick this whole time. Um, and we are denying the fact because basically every recovering addict that's in recovery is too scared to speak out about it. They're like, oh no, like it was all my fault and it, the system didn't do anything. I'm a part of the system now and I'm, I'm happy. And I'm a good person. Um, we're just, we're, I forgot where I was going with this, but we're, we're keeping people uh, in this, this toxic loop and, and everyone that gets out just kind of falls back into a, a regular system where they think, and they forget what it's like to be a drug addict, which is a shame uh, and how hard it is that the system discriminates. We're scared to say that there is systemic discrimination toward addicts. And I've really looked into it. I've put a lot of thought into it since BLM, the BLM movement. And there is, and, and it really sucks. And a lot of that is because of the drug charges and because of our idea that addicts are always a risk factor. There's, it's, it's, a stereotype that leads to discrimination. Um, And so if addicts are always a risk factor, we're going to give them less opportunity and less resources and just lock them up because that's the solution. And we're spending, you know, lots and lots of tax tax dollars, you capitalist assholes, on uh, 
keeping Alex in jail and and in the system. I've barely been monitored since I've been on probation. Um, I've talked to my PO on one probation on the phone like once, and <laughs> like um, and I haven't even met him. And I'm paying. You guys are paying for that right now. So congrats, you fuckers. For so my point is, I think that there is definitely discrimination toward addicts and the way around it is kind of reshaping how we think about addiction is addiction permanent are addicts always a risk and um if how do we deal with them once once they are in active addiction and i'm more of the rehab instead of punishment kind of guy the the program i'm in drug court they're really nice people but the the way that it works is just um psycho there's like a psychological thingy that i had to study for the mcat and it's like positive punishment which is like the least likely to change someone's behavior adding a punishment to discourage a behavior um that's what it means and that's exactly what we do we're like oh you did drugs go to jail you relapse go to jail and uh I don't know. It really rubs me the wrong way. I've lost a lot of opportunity. I've lost, I, I have high anxiety about medical school. I, I don't want them to think of me as a risk. I want to, I want to look at this thing as a strength, like this author portrays it. Um, and I really appreciate him. I'm like emotional right now. I, I, he's, he's a doctor. Um, and I want to be one and he was an opiate addict and I'm, I was an opiate addict and, uh, you know, it's 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 nice to see that there is someone that's out there doing the work or trying to. Um, and we kind of need to follow suit, I guess. Um, and he kind of sums it up with, uh, what does he say? He says, personally, I'm skeptical that many people substitute addictions. In my experience, people who are addicted to drugs tend to have a particular affinity for a particular class of drug, not all drugs and alcohol. This is probably based on some combination of their neurochemistry and psychological makeup. I was addicted to opiates, but didn't have difficulties with substances and other classes. I've seen this in, this to be mostly the case with thousands of my brothers and sisters in, in recovery who I've had the honor to interact with. People continue to add to their coping skill tool, toolbox throughout life. So the unhappy 18 year old who's struggling is not the well-adjusted 50 year old who has worked through, who has worked through many of their problems or who has improved their life circumstances. Vulnerabilities can improve other over time. People aren't static, which is what reminds us to never give up hope when dealing with an addicted loved one, no matter how dire their circumstances appear to be. And I would just let him close with that. I fucking feel like that was a mic drop by fucking Dr. Uh, Dr. Grinspoon. Really? You really fucking did that Grinspoon. Hey, do it again. Make more articles, put them out. Fucking, he needs to make like a TikTok doing a renegade saying this shit because it's it's uh, truth and it's scientifically based. And uh, the only reason, the only way we're going to move as a society is using facts and logic. 
move forward as a society is to use facts and logic to figure out our issues and, and look at stuff objectively and for what it is and not bring uh, any sort of outside feelings or um I mean, I am, I guess, but not bring, just look at facts and logic, basically. F fuck Gary Herbert. You know, he doesn't use facts and logic. Um. Anyway, thank you for listening. This went a little bit over as usual. This seems like I'm not going to make a 30 minute podcast episode every time. Um, I just wanted to put out there. I really suck at editing videos. I really suck at editing podcasts. And so if there's anyone that would be interested in doing that for me, uh, until I get the ball rolling a little bit more, I would, or for free, hopefully <laughs> I'm, I'm not rich, but if you want to help out, help out the pod, um, I really want to make this like a little bit better and, and run a little bit smoother so I can get stuff out better. Um, and hopefully like I'll get more listeners and start making some money. Uh, it seems like that's going to be the case so far. So, uh, I appreciate it. Couldn't do it without all you little fuckwads. Uh, so, um, have a good rest of your night or day or whenever you listen to this, go, go live in the moment as the soul guy would, would say, Go fucking be you and, and be Zen and uh, don't don't vote in another Gary Herbert, you fuckers. Okay, bye.